thought-provoking and there's thought behind it and there's great writing in rap as well. You're listening to the Poetry Playground. To fully understand poetry, we must first be fluent with its meter, rhyme, and figures of speech. Is a poem a little machine? A firework? An echo? A dream? There's thought and there's intelligence and there's reason and logic behind it, then maybe you have to deal with everything like that. Poetry is a set of techniques, ways of making patterns that put emotions into words. The more techniques you know, the more things you can make. Me, me, we. Poems are easy to share, easy to pass on, and when you read a poem, you can imagine someone's speaking to you or for you. With your hosts, Simon Shaw and Cassie Hottenstein. We can go to poems when you want to remember something. And once these questions have been answered, determining the poem's greatness becomes a relatively simple matter. They would say, well, this is genius. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Poetry Playground with your hosts, Simon Shaw and... Cassie Hottenstein. We have a lot of fun topics for you today, including some review of Joy Harjo's work. We've also got a really cool interview with Iris Groot, a local poet, talking about community and some of the things going on on the Denver scene. We've also got a review of Rupi Kaur coming up. You will not want to miss that. That's going to get pretty spicy. We're going to end the show with a really cool writing prompt, and then we'll send you back on your merry way. You can catch me at shawsomeproductions.wordpress.com. You can also follow me on Facebook. Cassie, where can they follow you? I'm on Instagram at LavenderOwlT. Lavender LT. Pretty cool name. I like that tag. All right. Now, where can you listen to this podcast, Cassie? Anchor FM, the pl- best place to upload and market podcasts. All right. Well, let's start with our first segment. Let's jump right in with our review of Poet Laureate, Joy Harjo. We have two poems that we wanted to read and discuss and share with you. The first one is Two Horses. I think Cassie's got that for us. You want to take that away? Yeah. Two Horses. I thought the sun breaking through Sangre de Cristo mountains was enough and that wild musky sense on my body after long nights of dreaming could unfold me to myself. I thought my dance alone through worlds of odd and eccentric planets that no one else knew would sustain me. I mean, I did learn to move after all and how to recognize voices other than the most familiar. But you must have grown out of a thousand years dreaming, just like I could never imagine you. You must have broke open from another sky to hear, because now I see you as part of the millions of other universes that I thought could never occur in this breathing. And I know you as myself traveling. In your eyes alone are many colonies of stars and other circling planet motion. And then your fingers, the sweet smell of hair, and your soft, tight belly. My heart is taken by you, and these mornings, since I am a horse running towards a cracked sky where there are countless dawns breaking simultaneously, there are two moons on the horizon, and for you, I have broken loose. So why, why are you drawn to that poem, Cassie? I really like the imagery, and how in some parts it almost doesn't read as grammatically correct. But that's okay, because she's focusing more on imagery and sound, which goes a lot better with the whole dreamy, ethereal feeling. 
of the poem. Oh, okay, I can hear that, yeah. Yeah. So it's almost like this dream sequence. And our listeners can't see this, but she's broken up the lines, uh, spaced them out a lot. So it echoes the spaciness she's talking about in the poem. You know, she's talking about stars and eccentric planets. So the spacing she uses on the page is incredibly important too. So form follows function. Yes. Nice. I think a really good poem should do that. And that really kind of segues into the poem that I wanted to share. Her piece called How to Write a Poem in a Time of War. And again, unfortunately you can't really see this in the podcast, but the spacing of this poem is extremely important. It's broken up and fragmented, and I think it really hammers home the tone of the poem and the the theme of the poem. So this is How to Write a Poem in a Time of War by Joy Harjo. You can't begin just anywhere. It's a wreck. Shrapnel in the eye of a house. A row of houses. There's a rat scrambling from light with fleshy trash in its mouth. A baby strapped to its mother's back cut loose. Soldiers crawl the city, the river, the town, the village, the bedroom, our kitchen. They eat everything or burn it. They kill what they cannot take. They rape. What they cannot kill, they take. Rumors fall like rain, like bombs, like mother and father tears swallowed for restless peace, like sunset slanting toward a moonless midnight, like a train blown free of its destination, like a seed fallen where there is no chance of trees or any place for birds to live. No. Start here. Deer peer from the edge of the woods. We used to see woodpeckers, the size of the sun, redbirds, and were greeted by chickadees with their good morning songs. We'd start to cook outside, slippery with dew and laughter. Ah, those smoky, sweet sunrises. We tried to pretend war wasn't going to happen. Though they began building their houses all around us and demanding more, they started teaching our children their God's story. A story in which we'd always be slaves. No, not here. You can't begin here. This is memory shredded because it is impossible to hold by words, even poetry. These memories were left here with the trees the torn pocket of your daughter's hand-sewn dress, the sash, the lace, the baby's delicately beaded moccasin still connected to the foot, a young man's note of promise to his beloved. No, this is not the best place to begin. Everyone was asleep, despite the distant bombs. Terror had become the familiar stranger Our beloved twin girls curled up in their nightgowns next to their father and me. If we begin here, none of us will make it to the end of the poem. Someone has to make it out alive, saying a grandfather to his grandson, his granddaughter, as he blew his most powerful song into the hearts of the children. There it would be hidden from the soldiers, who would take them miles rivers, 
mountains from the naval cord place of the origin story. He knew one day, far day, the grandchildren would return. Generations later, over slick highways, constructed over old trails, through walls of laws meant to hamper or destroy, over the libraries of the ancestors and the winds, born in stories. His song brings us to his home place in these smoky hills. Begin here. I like how this poem is going backwards and backwards. Right. But there's the suddenness of war interjected in the middle of it. Like, suddenly it goes forward and kind of like smashes apart the before times, almost. Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying, yeah. It's almost as if it's trying to emulate the feeling of being in war, you know? Mm -hmm. It's disjointed, it's messy, it's chaotic, and yet there's a structure and a flow to it. Yeah. uh, A rhythm to it that can't be denied. And even though in the poem the war has already happened, the place where we need to begin is where older generations are creating the memories that the younger generations will try to achieve again. What a powerful piece. Joy Harjo, this is one heck of a poet. Yes. A lot of the normal venues that we've had to go to for poetry and open mic uh, performances have been uh, shut down or unavailable or have even started to close down and haven't been even able to survive the pandemic. Uh, what's it been like for you, Cassie, trying to find community during this time period? It's been very lonely. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, the biggest event I've done recently is reading at Mile High Spirits back in September. Um, our good friend Philip Tran hosted a poetry presentation slash open mic slash talent show. Um, right. There's good music and good poetry. Um, there was Japanese erotic bondage. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That was, <laughs> yeah. that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And also, Mile High Spirits makes the best alcohol in the whole world. And we're not sponsored by Mile High Spirits, but if Mile High Spirits wants to sponsor me, hey! <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, it's been kind of lonely for poets and artists over the last year. Uh, we work really well with loneliness, I think, though. Well, yeah, that's a bit of a trade-off, but, you know, too much loneliness, too much isolation can also lead to, uh, you know, a shining situation with Jack Torrance and Wendy Torrance, and we don't want that to happen either, do we? <laughs> uh, is that a threat? <laughs> no! Jesus! Uh, coming up on the other side of a very short break, we've got a really cool interview with our friend Iris Groot, so you want to stick around for that. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this podcast. Simon Shaw here again with another special guest. I've got Iris Groot in the studio here with me. Iris is one of the premier young poets on the Denver scene. They've been taking the scene by storm over the last year, and they are here to talk about their experiences in the community. Welcome, Iris. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. It's nice and sunny out. <laughs> right, right, despite all the smoke in the air. Mm-hmm. Air quality is great for my lungs. Oh, I know. It's been a, it's been a struggle. <laughs> so, 
What has uh, your experience been like on the Denver poetry scene? It started pretty quickly when I, I moved in Aurora, so I technically live in Aurora, but the first place I looked up um, when I started getting curiosity about poetry was Mercury Cafe, and when I saw it online, I was like, oh, this place is too fancy for me. I wouldn't fit in, but it was like the perfect home to have for poetry, and then I stayed there for a while, and then like, then you just start to sprinkle around Colorado, and there's some Denver people, there's some Colorado, Colorado Springs, you know, and I kind of just been trying to go everywhere else after that. All right, so your experience at the Merck has opened you up to a lot of other open mics and different types of events around town and around city. Yeah, Mercury Cafe is basically like, I think, the foundation of poetry in Colorado Springs, because if, if I'm correct, they're the longest running open mic in Colorado. That they think, are. Yeah, yep. so I, I do think that the Mercury has a really strong foundation and influence uh, for the poetry community. And it's so strange because we've lost, we've almost lost so many communities and places for poetry. Um, I don't know if you guys know, but uh, Innisfree just had the shutdown recently. Innisfree shut down, oh yeah. no. I was luckily able to be there the last day, but it was just, it was like a funeral because a bunch of poets from Boulder were there, obviously, and it was just, it was a sad but sweet funeral to have that moment. Wow, that's a shame. That makes me think of when Penny Lane closed down years ago in Boulder, but that was way before COVID and all this madness. <laughs> are there any other venues that you know about that are closing down or that are in trouble with closing? Uh, not that I know of right now. I know that, like, basically, like Ryder's Brock was struggling, Mercury was struggling, um, Emisfree obviously struggled and didn't win the battle of COVID, unfortunately. But I think just every small local community is completely struggling right now and hanging on by a thread, which I think is why so little people are coming back to it, because one, we're scared, and two, it's just not going to be the same as it was before after all this. That's sad, but unfortunately probably true. You mentioned community, and I know community is so vitally important for artists. How have you been able to maintain or find community during this whole time of COVID? Um, really shortly before the quarantine started and everything, one of my friends was like, you should just start a Facebook page. Um, and I was just like, okay, I'll call it Poetry People. And so it's kind of slowly built over time. It's just a Facebook group where people post poetry, publication, um, connections, and basically anything poetry related, but um, it's in the making very slowly. We're about to do once a month open mics on Zoom, so. Ooh, really? Yeah. That's exciting. So yeah, it's slowly coming together. I think that's why I started this was because there are so many communities that are struggling and I think we need more of them to build up. So, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, I know a lot of our listeners would be interested in attending a Zoom event. If they wanted to get information, where should they go? Well, there's the Poetry People Facebook group. Uh, it's private, but I will basically add anyone unless, you know, sexist, homophobic, racist, etc., etc. Um, and we also have a Poetry People Instagram. So you can also follow that. I am slowly in the works of making a messenger group for anyone who wants to be in that for Poetry People, if anyone has any questions or anything. So 
Yeah, you got it. Facebook and Instagram so far. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for coming and interviewing with us today and giving us a little bit of information about your upcoming Zoom event. And hopefully we can get some people interested. Yeah, I would love that. Come join us. Poetry, music. Honestly, I don't care what you do as long as it's what's yours and original and beautiful. I think it's really important that we vote, not only with our actual physical votes, but with our dollars as well. Like we need to keep money in the communities and basically say, hey, we want more art. We want more performing venues in Denver and keep them alive. And that brings us to our penultimate segment, the Rupee Cow Review. Let's give an example, an example of a Rupee Cow poem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, if you're not familiar with Rupee Cow, well, who's not familiar with Rupee Cow? Her name's everywhere. Yeah. She is the Instagram poet par, excell par excellence. Yeah, she uh, a few years ago came out with a book called Milk and Honey. Milk and um, Honey. I think her next one was like The Sun and Her Flowers. Um, they're very popular right now, but they're short little snippet poems, and she has these. Um, I mean, they're cute, but kind of basic drawings. Basic line drawings that accompany yeah, like, most it. of them. Yeah. Now, uh, here, let's share one with you. This is called Sunflowers by Ruby Cower. Despite knowing they won't be here for long, they still choose to live their brightest lives. And... Yeah, like, it's not bad. It's like if somebody had a shower thought, typed it out in a complete sentence, hit the enter button a few times, and got rid of the punctuation. That's that's a Rupee Cower poem. It doesn't tell me anything about sunflowers. No. Uh, it doesn't tell me about how they feel about the temporal nature of their existence. Uh, how they buck against it. Uh, like there's there's so much that could be explored. Yeah. It's like the, it's like the beginning of the poem, but then it just it stops. Yeah, it's like show, don't tell. Like <clears throat> how are they living their brightest lives? What do you mean they won't be here for long? Like show us the change. Like show us the sunflower withering and dying. Uh, all right. So here's another example. All right. Uh, the world. Uh, th this is called. Uh, there is nothing purer than that. Than what? I don't know, that's the title of the poem. <laughs> <laughs> the world gives you so much pain, and here you are, making gold out of it. Now, who's the narrator? Who is the narrator talking to? Mm -hmm. Like, why is it written in second person? What kind of pain are we talking about? Making gold, again, how? Like, show, don't tell. Here's one. I am a museum full of art, but you had your eyes shut. That's it. That's the whole poem. That's the whole poem. So... Why did they have their eyes shut? I, you know... What's I, the greater context? And, okay, so I don't want to, like, just mock her or anything like that. I The one thing I do admire Ruby Cower for is encouraging a younger generation of readers to enjoy poetry. Mm. I mean, let's face it, poetry is not the most popular form of entertainment, but combining social media and poetry is a means of bringing it to other people. Um, it's digestible. However, that being said, it's like trying to compare Harlequin romance to Shakespeare or something like that. You know, like it, it's just, it's not adding anything to oh, the literary canon. Oh, she's like canon. the jack-in-the-box of poetry. Yeah, I'm from Florida. Florida, so I don't know what that means. Well, like Burger King, Hardee's, Arby's. She's the fast food of poetry. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I, I really don't think she's adding th anything to the literary canon. So there's an article by a columnist named Anne Ding. This was published back in 2017. Um, and she kind of talks about how a lot of Ruby Cower's followers admire her for being a woman, being a woman of color, um, being a survivor of assault. She's in a quote unquote oppressed uh, group, I guess you could say. You know who else fits that bill? Yeah. Joy Harjo. Oh yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that's kind of the point of the article is we shouldn't be lowering the bar for people in a quote unquote oppressed uh, minority group. I mean, I know so many other women writers, um, women of color, and I mean, hell, I'm a survivor myself. So it, it doesn't really do any of us justice by saying, hey, you can't criticize her. You know, she's an oppressed person necessarily. That's a good you know, point. There's reasons why poetry works. And I don't know, it, it's supposed to resonate a little bit more deeply than uh, uncapitalized Twitter posts, if that makes sense. No, I think that's totally spot on. I can't disagree with that at all. I mean, compare what we just read, Ruby Cower, to the poems, the examples we shared of Joy Harjo at the beginning of the podcast. Yeah. I mean, like night and day. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you want to talk about a woman from an oppressed culture and society, talk about a Native American woman, she's, you know, she's doing the same thing. She's right? basically the same the same profile that you read there for, for Ruby. That's Joy Harjo. But exactly. The, the level, I mean, the level of complexity in her poetry right. is f far beyond what I'm seeing in the Ruby stuff. Right. But yeah, okay, it's, it's enough time reading bad examples of poetry. <laughs> now, we want you to go out and write bad poetry of your own and turn it into good poetry because practice makes perfect. So here's a writing prompt. Write a poem which is just a list of things. A poem which is just a list of things? Just a list of things. Just Ooh. a list of things. I like that prompt. I think I can do that. Here's a little something off the cuff. A stringless banjo on the mantle. A tourniquet soaked in honey. Chipped teeth in a glass case. Five semi-digested pomegranate seeds. A Coke bottle hovering above a victim's head. A ball cap fallen into the gutter. The lens cap of a missing camera. The laughter of a lost friend. The black ice beneath her unsuspecting tires. Uh, that's just a little fun example of a poem that could be just a, a list, a collection of things. Think about the stories uh, that these things tell. Uh, who owns these things? Or are they just a random collection of items that are lost? Now go out and write your own poem. And we want to hear about those poems on next week's program. So please, if you have a fun poem that you wrote, share those with us. You've been listening to The Poetry Playground with your hosts, Simon Shaw and... Cassie Hartenstein. Check us out on Anchor FM and ShawsomeProductions.wordpress.com. You can also look for Cassie's work on Instagram at LavenderAlT. That's the flower and the bird and then the beverage. Oh yeah, you know it is. Now please, uh, let us know on those platforms what kind of poems you come up with. Please share them with us. That way we can get it in on the next Poetry Playground podcast. Be well, and remember the sage words of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Don't panic. Bitch! <laughs>